Today's episode is brought to you by 5-4 Club. Oh, yeah, baby. You've heard of them. I know you have. You know why? Because they dress people like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Zac Efron, Aziz Ansari, Don Cheadle, and Adam Ray. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how I got to learn about 5-4 Club. I'm a dude who doesn't have time to shop, okay? Um, I don't really like to shop. Um, and what I do like are people who know clothes, who know style, and want to help people like me out, okay? When you sign up to be a member of 5-4 Club for 60 bucks a month, only 60 bucks a month, here's what you get, okay? You get proven style, recommendations, and advice from top stylists who just want to make you look good and educate you on how to wear certain pieces. They're not trying to make your wardrobe for you. They just want to help educate you on how to create your vibe, your style. It's an easy sign-up process, all right? You go in, you personalize your style preferences, create a profile, and whether you're looking for clothes for the office, the club, just a chill weekend or whatever, 5-4 has you covered. There are four style profiles, okay? Classic, casual, forward, and mix. You create these, and the guys put together a box of dope clothes for you and send it to your place, to your doorstep, direct delivery, free shipping. Free shipping. So few businesses do that, all right? Go to 5-4 Club right now. Sign up. Become a member. It's only 60 bucks a month, okay? The only way to get this brand is to be a member, all right? You can't find 5-4 Club anywhere else. So you got to sign up, baby. Do you want to stand out in the crowd and not blend in like everyone else? Do you want to wear the clothes that Don Cheadle and Blake Griffin wear? Do you want to start getting compliments from girls you didn't think were even looking at you? I'm telling you, Brad even wears this shit, all right? They've got his size. They've got little Brad's size. I can't stress how dope this company is. I wear their shit. It's dependable. It's reliable. They throw you how-to-wear style suggestions, curated collections, selected by personal stylists. You're not a stylist, man. Get some help from dudes that know what they're talking about. Free size exchanges, free delivery, and easy style profile edits. Great styles that are on point and on season. You want shorts and a button-up? Cool. They got them. You want jackets and jeans when it gets colder? They got them. Go to 54club.com right now. Use promo code ALN to get a nice little discount off your first package, all right? Also, if you sign up for 54 Club this month, they've teamed up with Robert Geller. You know who Robert Geller is? Yeah, maybe named Best Men's Wear Designer in 2009. He's collaborated with Levi's Common Projects, Yeezy Season 1. Robert Geller is thrown in a pair of his $200 shades for free when you sign up this month to be a member in 54 Four club. All right? So go to 54club.com, use promo code ALN, and start looking better, baby. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Hey, everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Amazing episode today. Amazing. Ama- I can't say the word amazing enough. Uh, our guest today is Thomas Ian Nicholas. You might remember him as the rookie of the year as a kid in King Arthur's Court, as Kevin from American Pie, uh, the franchise. This guy, holy shit, Brad met uh, Thomas uh, at a birthday party, some rich guy's birthday party. Brad did stand-up, Thomas, Ian Nicholas, his band, the Thomas Nicholas Band, was performing, and they met, they hit it off. Uh, Brad got him to do the podcast, and here we are, baby. Th- their story of meeting is is pretty Unbelievable. Uh, we get into that. We get into auditioning for Rookie of the Year. Uh, we talk a lot about Rookie of the Year, actually, which is amazing. Um, we talk Disney movies and how they've changed. 
Uh, we talk his band, the Thomas Nicholas Band, that is about to start another big uh, tour. Uh, his music is really fucking good. There's a lot of actors who turn musicians. Um, you know, Kevin Bacon, Keanu Reeves. Uh, and some just don't m- cross over well. Uh, Thomas is legit. And, uh, and I say that wholeheartedly. Uh, watched a bunch of his stuff and, uh, and pumped to now go see him live. Um, their new tour is going to start, uh, I think, in the spring uh, and be international. Um, these guys have fans all over the world. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but you can get all their tour day info at TINBand.com. Uh, and, of course, his new album, Security, just dropped, and it's on iTunes. Thomas Nicholas Band, Security, it's on iTunes, Spotify. Get it, check it out, love it, go see him live. Um, and after this interview, I think you're going to definitely want to. Uh, again, I can't believe we had this motherfucker on the podcast. Uh, I tried not to fan out super hard, but um, it, was, uh, it was just a blast. He's a great dude, and uh, was so down to just... You know, do do what we do on the podcast, which is have a fun conversation, go on tangents, and laugh a lot, which is what we did today. So enjoy this episode. We had a fucking blast. Follow Thomas on Twitter, at T-I-N Band. That's his Twitter handle, uh, at T-I-N Band. And, of course, the website, T-I-N-Band.com for all his tour dates. Follow Brad on Twitter, at Funny Brad. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ray Comedy. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at ALN Podcast. Uh, we got a big show coming up. That's right, baby. We got a big show coming up on Monday. Monday, 8 p.m., the Hollywood Improv Lab in Los Angeles, California. The next Live About Last Night podcast. Live, baby. This one is going to be unbelievable. Our guests are Harlan Williams, three time guest of the ALN podcast. Of course, you know Harlan from Half Baked, something about Mary, Rocket Man, all his appearances on Conan, uh, his podcast, The Harlan Highway, which you should check out. Uh, Harlan is always just unbelievable. He's gonna he's gonna bring it. Can't wait to have him live. He's gonna do some stand up, which is gonna be great. It's always new when you get Harlan doing stand up, so that'll be awesome. And then Eliza Schlesinger, my co-host for Separation Anxiety, Tuesday nights, TBS, 10 p.m. Appreciate you guys watching. The ratings are great. Hopefully, we get a second season. But keep on watching, man. There's 12 more episodes in the season, and uh, and they just keep getting better and better. Appreciate all the love you guys have been showing me towards that and watching the show. So remember to keep DVRing Separation Anxiety Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. TBS. And come Monday to see Eliza uh, and Harlan Williams on the Live About Last Night podcast. Monday night, 8 p.m., March 21st, the Hollywood Improv Lab. Uh, lab. <laughs> get your tickets at improv.com. Of course, all my tour dates are at AdamRayTV.com. I've got a lot of shows in L.A. coming up uh, the rest of this week. Three at the Comedy Store on Saturday. I'll be at the Main Room, the Original Room, and the Belly Room. Uh, doing the trifecta at the Comedy Store. I'm pumped. Um, I think the Original Room, I'm there at 9. The Main Room, I'm there at 8. And the Belly Room, I'm there at 8.30. Uh, pick a show. Come see me, baby. Comedy Store, uh, Saturday night, March 19th. you got three chances to see me. And then uh, on March 24th, I'm going to be in Inglewood, Colorado at the Gothic Theater with Michael Ian Black. One night only, Inglewood, Colorado, Gothic Theater, March 24th. Uh, come out and see me, baby. And then, of course, April 1st and 2nd at the Comedy Store in La Jolla, California. That's San Diego. Come see me, La Jolla Comedy Store in San Diego, March 1st and 2nd. Two shows each night. Bringing down my buddy Avery Pearson to uh, do some music with, too. Going to do some stand-up, some songs, some improv. It's going to be a, a unique show and a lot of fun. So get your tickets at ComedyStore.com. Come see me, La Jolla Comedy Store, San Diego, April 1st and 2nd. And then uh, the following weekend, I'll be in West Palm Beach. My first time at the Improv in West Palm Beach, Florida, April 8th through the 10th. 
I'm super pumped, man. First time starting to get into the improvs. Uh, this will be my first time in West Palm Beach at the Improv there. So come see me April 8th through the 10th. Get your tickets at improv.com. Brad Williams is not in Columbia, Missouri this weekend. He uh, got a pilot. He's shooting a pilot tomorrow, so he can't be there. Uh, he expresses his deepest regrets and, uh, and, and apologies, and he will be back, so do not worry. Um, but he has to shoot this pilot and try to get on TV, baby. Brad will be, though, in East Providence, Rhode Island, at the Comedy Connection on March 25th and at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts, March 26th. So go see Brad in Boston coming up. And, of course, bring all your ALN merch. Estoymerchandise.com is where you can get all of your mugs, hats, shirts, posters. We've got commemorative ALN posters all at estoymerchandise.com. E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Get your merch. Bring it to the shows. We'll sign it. We'll take a picture. We'll hug you. We'll spoon. Maybe Brad will hump your leg if you're lucky. Um, so continue to get your merch at estoymerchandise.com and bring them to the live shows. Now that we got all the tour dates out of the way, those are the Twitter handles. That's the merch info. That's the live pod info. Again, it's March 21st, Monday night, 8 p.m. Hollywood Improv Lab, live about last night podcast recording with our guests Harlan Williams and Eliza Schlesinger. Get your tickets at improv.com. Separation Anxiety, Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. TBS, DVR. That's me and Eliza's TBS show. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the rookie of the year himself, Thomas Ian Nicholas. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a no podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't expect anyone who knows 420 to know any other holiday after that. Like, I don't know when Purim is, but I know it's around 420. Purim? Is that a Jewish thing? Home for Purim. How dare you? Yeah. I Even if you don't know what it is, know that there's a film based on the holiday. I only know that because of Christopher Guest. So hey, that's I'm okay with that. I've ever even heard of Purim. Oh, for real? Yeah. You're not Jewish. I, I mean, if you want to get technical... <laughs> I'm like one sixteenth. What Jewish. is your mother? Okay, yeah, uh, but it ends at me. <laughs> do you do you claim any uh, like? Have you ever made a Jewish related joke and been like, "I'm a sixteenth man"? It's okay. <laughs> I got this. No, I'm probably cool more your, cool. Your jets. It's four twenty. <laughs> no, I'm probably more Polish than I am Jewish because I'm half German. So I'm nice. the, on the Polish side, but you know, yeah, Prussia doesn't exist anymore, so I can make a lot of Polish jokes. <laughs> Those are fun. Hey, I mean, I, 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 that's why I, if, if I could find a black Brad person, is literally wondering, <laughs> wondering which Pollock joke he's going to tell right now. No, yeah, literally the Rolodex yeah, is going see, like, through my head. Yeah, I'm like, oh, uh, many. something with a Kowski. I, I don't know. If there's a guy that has too many Polish jokes, it's Brad. <laughs> Dude, I love the fact that, first of all, we met at a guy's birthday party. That um, Yeah, I've only heard a, a tidbit of this story, but like, yeah. I'm just super bummed I wasn't there. Yeah, okay, that's, anyway, that's pretty much all we can do to explain the party <laughs> is just tell you a tidbit. There's yeah. no way to really a rich guy's birthday party that has me, uh, your band, uh, China was there. I mean, sure, she, that's, didn't, she didn't perform though, did she? 
she played the match game. What? <laughs> you going to say, she didn't perform on stage. Uh-huh. Oh. You can ask Brad about that in the back room. Bada boom. Bada boom. No. Well, I mean, you know, the she... Bada boom. She, Trying she, to give him the bada boom. That, that, that's my finisher. If I was a professional wrestler, if I wrestled Shine, like, I, I would just love to hear JR be like, good God almighty, he's going for the bada boom. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, that's a woman for God's sakes. He hit the bottom, boom! It's over. Now, how did you? <laughs> um, by the way, uh, how there was never a dwarf character in Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter makes me very upset. Right? You know what? There was a game. Do you guys remember Golden Axe, the big arcade game Golden Axe? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there was a dwarf in Golden. Nerd Axe. alert! What? No, there... I actually have. I oh, played it. Okay, yeah. he had the rollerball for the yeah, control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, that's the um. Uh, uh... Well, like you go on a quest and you're fighting a bunch of. People like the rollerball games were the shit. By the way, yes. that really tested your skill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they had a dwarf character in Golden Axe, so it's like whenever I played that what at the arcades, name? I was like, I f- like I kind of have to choose <laughs> <laughs> the dwarf character. That's messed up, dude. Yeah, that's, that's fucked up. up. I felt like I had to. How did you be? How could you be so racist against yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I just like for some odd reason, I I felt like if I chose like the hunter or something, that I would just turn around and there and there would be like twenty two little people just shaking their heads like you son of a bitch. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> told us you we would don't pick get again. many video games. How could you not be us? <laughs> How could you not be us? Yeah, so that's a uh, documentary about dwarves not picking themselves in yeah, video games. Yeah, like I, like I was the one dude where when I watched Lord of the Rings, like every time the dwarf like hit someone with an axe, I would just like she like fuck yeah, <laughs> that's one of ours. <laughs> and then I found out the actor wasn't really a dwarf, which broke my heart. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so how did you guys both know of this guy whose party it was? Uh, how did you know? How did he know I- to book the Thomas Nicholas Band and Brad Williams? Like okay. how did those? My my story makes somewhat set. It makes kind of set. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll try to make this quick. Basically, I, I went to like a convention. He was at the convention, and he said, "Hey, we do this video to save an old movie theater. Cool, a call to action for yeah. people to invest and donate money." Mm-hmm. So that's we did the party at the one theater that he owns. Yep. But he owns another one that's also like a, I guess, a retro yep. theater, like built in the 50s. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that video, and then he called me later and said, hey, yeah, you know, we raised the money. The theater stayed in. It's awesome. And then he runs a film festival once a year. And this is in Orinda, California? Moraga? Moranga. Moranga? They're, oh. they're kind of right next to each other. But okay. Yeah. Morinda. Mor- <laughs> Mor- right. Sure. I don't know. It's a made-up uh, place. It's, it's so, near Oakland. In- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oakland adjacent. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so you so saved the theater, and then he's saved like, the theater, All right. and then he invited me to perform, uh, like, do an acoustic show at his film festival the next year, That's which awesome. is the California something or other film festival. Um, and so I did that, and then I did a, a, a pledge campaign, a crowdfunding campaign for my recent album that I just handed you. Yep. Yeah. So we're getting close. Security, which you can get at iTunes, iTunes. It's on Spotify. The, you know, the, the works. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So that album was partly due to this guy, this this guy Derek. Uh, he saw that we were like close to the end of our like pledge music campaign. He calls me and goes, "How much do you need?" What? So I was like, "Oh, well, uh, this is how much we're short." He goes, "Okay," and he bought the private concert. And so then he said, "I want you to play my fiftieth birthday." Dude, party. that wow. is unreal. That's awesome. That he just yeah. 
they just did that for you guys. But then, yeah, yeah it's like you you helped him out. He helped you out. It all started out because a dude at a convention was like, hey, we do this video for this old theater. And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know this theater. Sure. But you yeah. know what? Like, you had to, like, good for you to at least take the initiative to say, you know what? It's, I mean, what was, was it about the saving the theater that sounded like a fun idea? Or was it just like, oh, why the fuck not? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I make movies, so saving movie theaters sounds pretty cool. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> like us saving comedy clubs. You're like, yes, we will save the Chuckle Hut yeah. in Tulsa. Save yeah. the Chuckle Hut. You're right. I You're might, right. I, I might have to go there one day. So then you, <laughs> so then this was an acoustic performance as well at the birthday party? Or? Uh, no, it was a full band this awesome. time. Do you yeah, prefer one or the other? Uh, they're different. You yeah. know, the acoustic performance is more intimate, but I knew that since it was in a movie theater on the stage in front of the screen, I called him up and I was like, yo, I'm going to bring the full band. And he was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, just make sure they have all the equipment there. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's all about that. Yeah. I'm sure you could have been like, yo, we want to fly in on a vanilla wafer hoverboard. He's like, <laughs> okay, give me two days. <laughs> I'll figure that out. Right. <laughs> Call someone in Silicon Valley. I'm sure they <laughs> yeah. can figure that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so then, yeah. The, how about so? How about you, Brad? How oh, how do you know that? How yeah. do you know Derek? <laughs> Derek, this is, is this is this is the. I can't wait yeah, to hear this story. This Derek produced a movie, the uh, cult holiday classic, oh, God. Hercules Saves Christmas. <laughs> That's who's in charge of that. Yes, that guy. I need to shake uh, that man's hand. Oh, I finally just got it. Yes, That's Hercules. That's like the Hercules. Yeah, not Hercules as in the god or the the really strong dude. Hercules is the name of a pit bull. Uh, owned by a guy named Shorty, who was the little person from the TV show Pit Boss on Animal Planet, and they made a Christmas movie called Hercules Saves Christmas. Uh, they they ran it a couple times on Animal Planet. You can get the Blu-ray now on Amazon. Oh, Jesus, it is. I'm not gonna lie, one of the worst movies I've ever. seen. You know seen. what though? But because of that probably one of the best movies. Well, oh, I've seen it. That, yeah, that it's is awesome. this guy's entire mo. He's a huge fan of Edward Jr. <laughs> His first movie uh, was called Ice Scream. Yes, in 1988 yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, this guy, this, the guy who made this, and one? he won a, yes. ra- a, a, a Razzie, Razzie award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, he was stoked. He was like, "Yes, I won an award." Yeah, he made. Well, no, he yeah. was like, "I won the Razzie award." Oh. he's a big fan of Edward Jr. I think he sought to make a terrible movie. Yes, Ice Cream might be one of the greatest titles <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. So he makes bad movies on purpose, right? So he, he cast it. you in that, and he yes, because he said like, "Well, if I want a bad movie." Let's get Brad Williams. <laughs> and I, said, I don't know I if he said those that. words exactly, but <laughs> that's said, what he meant. And I said, I got it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I play in... What was your line from that film again? Oh, or lines. Uh, you had um, plural. Uh, there's something about a control panel. I don't know. Like, if, somewhere, like if someone were to recognize ago. you from the film and be like, oh, my God, it's blah, 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 and they wanted to, like, say the thing. Like, what uh, would be one of your... It, uh, all I know is I had a big crush on Elf Tanya, and Elf Tanya could make me do anything. So she was like, "You got to get the you you, you got to get the computer keypad." I'd be like, "Okay, Elftanya, I'll do that." I was like, "I was like the Lenny, like yeah. of mice and men, yeah. Lenny, like kind of like the I'm four foot four, so that's a big dwarf." So I, so I was like the big dumb dwarf. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, would, yeah. So then, so he gets you two together, and he's just on top of the world. He's like, "I've got the star of my movie, I've got my favorite band, and now, and and now, and the and the woman who I jerked off to most in the '80s." <laughs> so he's like, "This is like the best Nyquil dream you could pay for." Yeah, uh, pretty much. And so then the night goes like, "What? I mean, is there?" Because Brad told me some of the it was a cacophony of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was a match game. There was a roast hosted by a drunk dude who. Was dude, that dude? Some, some <laughs> was soap opera, dude? some soap opera actor oh, soap opera star, okay. from the '80s, and he was just hammered. 
That's the best. And he's playing the match game, and everyone in the audience. He, he opened up the match game by like a 15-minute speech about ADR and looping. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> and, right? And, 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 and he's like looking at everyone like, y- 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 you know what you do when you do an ADR session, right? So he would run out of steam like, on his like, story and just say, you know what it he is. Was yeah. like, Who here knows the difference between ADR and looping? You know the difference, <laughs> don't you? You know, what's the difference? <laughs> you know, the, the way you classically open up speeches. Yeah. Because everyone obviously no real knows information. about that world. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I actually don't even know the difference. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is just awesome. It, it, so, then, so then he does a little thing. And then the roast was what? On the, the guy who put the yeah. whose party was? Yeah. Yeah. And Brad was literally the only person who prepared a roast. <laughs> yeah. So it was five other people just... Yep. Also drunk and talking about nothing. And just yep. making personal jabs, right? Well, no. Like, what What was her name with the big cans? Okay, hold on. I still have my jokes. There was a there was a, a, <laughs> there was a, a chick there. Lacey Wilde. Yes, there you go. With cans, like, the size of, like... Me. <laughs> yeah, Brad talked about... We talked about, by the way, that there, this brings up the point that there can be tits that are too big. And they were definitely too big. They, were too, they, were, yeah. they would be like the type where you're like... They needed their own zip code. Look, there are children <laughs> drowning in the ocean. You need to go save them. Like, get away from me with those. Right. Yeah, I think, I think, one, I think one of my jokes was, uh, Lacey Wilde, your tits look like they're starring in an episode of I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. <laughs> wow. How'd yeah. that go over? Well, <laughs> surpri- surprisingly. And she ran out at one point, and what did you say at oh. the beginning? <laughs> she Hold told on. me... I'll but she was she was part of the roast, like one of the 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 presenter. I what do we what do you call a roaster? Yeah. yeah. So she was a roaster, the, the dais, and she know. told a story about being picked up by the airport and shorty farting in the limo. Like that was her roast. Yeah. So, yeah. See, <laughs> that was pretty much the reaction of the, <laughs> of the crowd. Your silence and confused times look that. times like hundred and eighty. And shorty, you farted. You said you didn't fart, but I know you farted, and it was bad. Like you guys know farts smell bad. <laughs> and you're yeah. just, and we're just in the audience, like, oh my god. And so then, and, and there's just and the laughter's kind of. Meanwhile, like, she's got the microphone stashed between her two freaking, oh, you know, titas. <laughs> I swear, she stuck it in there. By yeah. the way, by the way, it's apparent that the Disney clean jargon has rubbed off on you with cans and titas. <laughs> Your two first calls on on tits. I love it. No, I mean, I, I love it. What do you want to call them? Bulgarian muscle fucks? I mean, what? <laughs> Bulgarian muscle. Fucks. That's well, amazing. I think that sounds like Derek's next movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. Well, starring Lacey uh, in BMF. BMF. And she's the limo driver. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so th- 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 this whole thing. All right, so you're watching this, by the way, thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to have to clean up this whole... Because you're the headliner, right? You're going on... Well, I mean, yeah, I'm mean, like the band. I'm like, thank right. God I'm not part of the roast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so then she's bombing, and then how many non-comedians go before Brad Five. has to come... All right, that's a lot. The first guy was all right. Yes, he was an all right. He was like a like a local stand up comedian, that's right. right? Yes, yes. And so he was like like a soft opening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had some structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some structure, like there, some roast. In there, there was a setup and a punch. Cool. You right. kind of knew when it's like, okay, I should laugh now. Like oh. you kind of knew that, but everyone else was just talking about uh, dwarves farting in limos. Which uh, was the sequel to Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> there, it was, yeah. there was someone else that got even like cut off. I, I think I've like erased it from my memory. Yeah, there was. <laughs> it's just like the worst roast. But then Brad came in there and slayed it, and, and then 
all, all I know is my band and I were sitting together and we we're like, we got a party with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> and now here I am. Yes, and now you're doing a podcast. Dude, this is amazing. Flash yeah. forward, and now, and now you're on our podcast. Yeah, Brad, yeah. it's so funny. Brad texted me that you guys were on the same event, and you know, I got very pumped. And then, uh, and then he goes, I'm going to try everything in my power to get him on the podcast. And I was like, please do that. Mm-hmm. And then he told me the story of how it happened. I was like, oh, that, what a great, like, way to form any sort of bond. Like, you know, like, yeah. Because if Brad, if you had bombed, oh, yeah. you would not be here right now. <laughs> I mean, literally, it would have taken, like, his mouth being sewn shut for him to bomb that roast. I mean, I could have probably come in and railed it oh, with with no preparation as absolutely. well. I mean, absolutely. it was yeah. And then, was, and then right after the roast, I had to do an actual stand up set, which there were people leaving at that point because they're they, they were over sixty and they're like, all right, well, this has been gone long enough. And then they they start leaving. I'm like, they're like, oh, a dwarf telling jokes. Seen it? Yes, yeah, we just saw a dwarf roast, so I'm yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a, what a great thing. Let, let's follow up your roast with your stand up session. Yeah, yeah. Great structure. Yeah. yeah. So like, people are going taking bathroom breaks and whatever. And I remember at one point on stage, I'm like, should I keep going? And thank God you guys, your band was there and all your people because you were like, fuck yeah, and you were actually paying attention. <laughs> and I was essentially after that point just doing the show for you. It, it was That's just hey, but dude, sometimes and you know, comics like we. We hone in on like I mean, if there's like a, a collective like audience, it's like maybe not so great. But there's a chunk of people that are like a group of four that from Tallahassee that are like, oh, this is the greatest show ever. It's like you don't just focus on them, but you're like, all right, that's who I'm playing to. Right. Yeah. Um, same goes for the band. You know, yeah. I mean, we we felt the same way. We we started and pretty much it was like. 20 people there was 180 yeah and now it's like 20 yeah because you know band. i don't give a yeah i don't give a shit we still played the same show and <laughs> yeah focused in on the people jamming brad came up and sang with us yes i on, did uh, what flagpole sitter yeah flat what? Har- harvey danger from my hometown seattle really yeah baby i didn't know i didn't know uh, they were from seattle but yeah are they from there really yeah yeah Crazy. well no the lead singer is okay the lead singer yeah. yeah i don't know if that's where they they formed i have harvey no danger, idea but i know that that's I know that song was blasting at every high school dance for a while in 1998. Right, and so when yeah, so when you guys started playing the song, I'm like, why not? Like, like it, it, it's not like I didn't feel that at that point you would turn to me and be like, you're fucking up my dream of being a rock. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at that point when you, when you're playing for 20 people, it's like, all right, it was whatever. all good. Let's We're, just have fun. So, um, by the way, you're really great. At music, oh cool man! I looked up a lot of your stuff. Like uh, you don't know, can't get that song out of my head. Right on, it's catchy as fuck. Now you know, really. (laughs) No, you're really good, man. And uh, uh, so I want to see you live. Do you uh, like how often you guys play live? Uh, Mm -hmm. We we do. We just don't play in L.A. that much because L.A. is not really a live music town, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we only play about four shows a year. So we did the whiskey uh, headline that at the end of January. So probably the next show will be at some point. We'll play the Viper Room again. Nice. That's sort of our stomping ground. Yeah. That's where the band formed. Um, no, no, it's just like the my favorite spot to play in L.A. I've played all the venues, mm-hmm. you know, House of Blues, the oh, Mint, shit. you know, yeah. whatever it is, Mint the is Troubadour. Dope. Yeah, but the Viper Room is like by and large my favorite spot to play. Why? It's for L.A. being not a live music town. You know, like we play in the U.K. and we can have like 
1,000 to 2,000 people there. We play nice. in the Midwest, we could have like 100 to 400 people there. We play in L.A., we can have like 20 to 80. <laughs> wow. Because it's just not a live music town. L.A. You know? is like, you're not Coldplay, we don't care. Yeah, there's like, yeah. oh, how many songs do you have on the radio? None? Great. Um, yeah, saw you once, you were awesome. When are you coming back? Never. Yeah. <laughs> so Beyonce comes out when during the show? <laughs> oh, she doesn't. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Pretty, Pretty much. much. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we we like it because you know the room only holds like you can fit two fifty in there, but it's only a hundred and twenty five cap. Yeah, so eighty people is like a full show. Everyone has a good time. Also, there's a lot of history with that place, right? Isn't it? I mean, Johnny Depp's like, place. Yeah, that's the one that Johnny Depp owns. Yeah, that's the one that he used to own, and mm-hmm. the one that uh, unfortunately River Phoenix died in front of. Right. And, yeah, that's what um, people kind of that that gave it it like a more mystique and allure yeah i mean I, I think people still think that johnny depp owns the viper room i for sure i did because yeah. <laughs> i mean when the guy when a guy wears that many scarves you're like he, he could do anything i don't know I, I don't know what this dude's up to each scarf has a different business that he owns written on it at that point every yeah. day he wakes up he goes which five scarves will i wear today this scarf represents how many Quiznos sandwiches I had in 1994. <laughs> uh, there actually is a Johnny Depp impersonator. He doesn't sound anything like him. You what? should do his voice. Uh, <laughs> but he looks exactly like him. And one time... Who just came, hangs out at the Viper Room? He he came to a show Welcome that we did there. Club. And I, I swear, I looked out. I was like, oh, my God, Johnny Depp is here. <laughs> and I got off the stage, and I was like, oh, wait. Oh, it's not Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh. yeah, I still took a picture with him yeah, in Instagram. Of course. Of course. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, because you, you, you see that and you just kind of get it at the right light where you go, like, hey, Johnny Depp came to the show. No one fucking knows. <laughs> no one knows the difference. Hell, half, half the people that think I'm Wee Man from Jackass, who, who I then tell I'm not Wee Man from Jackass, just go, well, let's just take a picture anyway so yeah. I can tell everyone. Unless we're at a suite uh, at a Seahawks game in Seattle and, and <laughs> a bunch of people who own the suite, we got let in just to like hang out for a quarter. And then the people who own the suite were like, Wee Man. I look at Brad, I go, Huh? And he just gives me a salute. He goes, "We're in. I got it. Like, I'll pretend to be with. Like, all good. I'll go along with this. Because then, at that what point, were they going to kick out Wee Man? Like, yeah. yeah so. if, if if there's free chips and dip, <laughs> done. Yeah. I'll be Wee Man for you know twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty thirty minutes. Why not? That's uh, amazing. At what point, dude? Um, how do you even get it? Were you always uh, interested in music? Like, did you? Uh... Uh, I started playing when I was like 14. Yeah, guitar. Guitar. Yeah. Um, and then I recorded my first album when I was like 17. Oh, shit. But I, I didn't really start touring incessantly until I got the, the, the sound I wanted, which yeah. was Without Warning, came out in 2008. And that's the one that has You Don't Know on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, I'm, I'm assuming just like comedy, like takes a while to find your voice and your point of view with music. It takes, I mean, your point of view with music and like what your sound is. Right. And you, do you think that people make that mistake of maybe a couple years in and then learning like a handful of songs and then they're like, all right, but, and they're so impatient and eager to like play gigs and be heard of and so they just rush shit out? No, I mean, I, you know, I think the only way you can't really play, replace experience. Right. Mm-hmm. You could practice a stand up routine or a live band show, yeah. you know, seven, eight days a week for two years, and you're never going to be ready. The yeah. only way you learn how to do it is you go out live and you put your you you put it on the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, think about how much you learn from one show, one live gig. Yeah, yeah. Versus ten practices yeah. through your set. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a, a mentor or, or influences or uh, tons of influences? I mean, I grew up with grunge rock, so yeah. that's a, a heavy influence. Uh, now it's like Foo Fighters, you yeah. know, is like the big. Who the are big the influence. Who are the ones that you would like? Um, play a lot, like because obviously when you're trying to find your sound, you're probably just playing a lot of the ones you like. 
I mean, when I started, yeah. it was all like Nirvana, Weezer, nice. Green Day. I mean, that's, yes. you know, that's our yeah. That's, that's our world. So, I, I think I think we're all in the same wheelhouse of age. Like I'm 32, Adam's 64. Uh, you're how old now? <laughs> 35. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 33, but I'll take that. If you're if you're making fun of my back problems, how dare you? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like so, so we all kind of grew up at the same time. So yeah, that that music was just so prevalent. And yeah, watching your set. Uh, at the party, it was, it, it, it was lit. It was, uh, yeah, Flagpole Sitta. It was like a bunch of songs well, from that era. Where... Well, what we did with this current set that we're doing is the mm-hmm. Frat Party World Tour. Uh, like we did it, it over in, in the UK, and it went off so big that we've got one booked in Australia and oh in, the, in Europe. So what we're doing with this set is even though I have five albums of original material, mm-hmm. we're doing a new cover album, and it's all songs from the American Pie soundtracks. Oh, my so God. So it's yeah. lit. Uh, you know, Harvey Danger, yeah, Blink-182, Sum 41, James Band. Dude, you know what's so amazing about those films? Many things. But, like, soundtracks are so key, and, like, it could not have been... Like the blend of of just if you if you were coming up in you know high school during those times and like could really relate to everything going on, but also the music was like just such a perfect blend of yeah. everything. And it's like you know when I think of like the uh, Jim, like the character Jim running from one house to to the other, I immediately think of that Blink One Eighty Two song, right? Because yeah. it, it, it yeah, it, it just it, it just fit. So perfectly, so yeah, like it, it just seemed like so people are gonna love that if you're yeah. playing. Yeah, that's that's the whole set right now is like seventy percent song, and then we we still play some originals in yeah. there because obviously that's our main forte. Yeah, sure. But this one just it gets you know people have a great time at the show. Now, what if people screamed out like you know play Goo Goo Dolls Iris? Would you <laughs> would you I, deliver? I would probably have them thrown out. <laughs> If they asked for Goo Goo Dolls Iris, because that would be that would be like kind of a like well, you know, imagine imagine if, yeah I was gonna say if you're playing you know I don't know of Foo Fighters times like these and they're yeah. like Goo Goo Dolls you're like yeah. get out of here <laughs> in the same breath yeah sure no offense to Johnny Resnick or anything no no he's a beast and he'll be on the podcast in two weeks. That's not even a joke. We, we, he will be. That's and listen, Johnny. You know he played a, a charity event for my friend at the Mint. Played that song. Yeah. Nice. it's a great tune yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah, I would never cover it. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, but like the the same way someone like like my parents when they heard I was doing stand up were like, so you can do stuff like Stephen Wright because they love Stephen Wright. It's like no, it's not ex- Stephen Wright. Great comic, yeah. You know, right. he, he does what works for him, but eh, it's not my thing. I, I, I can't be up there like I spilled spot remover on my dog. I haven't found him in three weeks. Like I can't, I can't necessarily do that. That style doesn't necessarily fit me. So yeah, like you found the style that fits most for you, and uh, and you guys killed it. It, it was so. And you could always tell when someone really enjoys what they're doing. And despite the fact that there was 25 people in the audience, it looked like you guys were still having a blast. Like you were up there playing and you were having a good time. Yeah, man. We always have a good time. When it's, does this uh, frat tour start? Uh, I mean, technically it's started. We started it. We launched it on January 20th um, at the Whiskey. And so we're going to back over to the UK for Glastonbury in the summer. Uh, that's got to be bananas. We have like overseas. a university tour again oh. in the fall, so that's like three weeks of just sold out shows uh, in the UK, the like all over England and, and your Wales. fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's those shows are 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 interesting because they're all like younger kids. Yeah. It's all university kids, like yeah. they're eighteen. So you mm-hmm. think like, oh, how do these guys even know about these songs? They were like one. 
<laughs> when, yeah. when American Pie came out. Yeah. But they still, the songs still carry over. It's amazing. They still have a good well, time. And that in the themes of those movies, I mean, rather it be stuff, like, rather it be why I could still watch Porky's, even though I wasn't alive when that movie was made. I, I still watch it, and the themes are kind of universal. I'm, I'm sure teens could still watch the American Pie movies and go, yeah, guys trying to set up a webcam to see a foreign girl <laughs> naked. That sounds like something I would try to do. For you know, sure. in, it, it, the, the themes itself are just kind of universal, which makes it so... Uh, I was thinking about this when we were prepping for the interview. Like, after the American Pie series... Or, after American Pie came out, so many people tried to do that. Like, they tried to do the teen sex comedy, and it just didn't work. Like, the same, like w- did you see... The other movies come out and go, what the fuck, guys? Shots fired, Airbud 7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stick to your sports. <laughs> they don't care who the dog's fucking. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Brad's right. There were, <laughs> yeah, there were, were yeah, I mean, it was so your, successful that, I mean, what? Not, can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. There, was, there was literally a movie called Sex Drive. Like, like all these people, like, try to do it. Like, what made it that, that the American Pie movie works so well? Uh, I think that the American Pie movie, and what I've always kind of thought, is that it had more heart than all those. Yeah. Because it, it dealt with a little bit more of the reality of that. And then, you know, everyone like will say, oh, man, you're so funny in the movie. And I'm like, I'm the straight guy in the comedy group. Right. So, you know, Kevin is sort of like the normal guy that everyone can relate to. And that's what all these other films didn't have. Because mm-hmm. they didn't have that, you know, grounded individual. Yeah. Everyone in the, in, in like, you know... 10 Things I Hate About You and Can't Hardly Wait yeah. didn't yeah. have that normal person that you could relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's what they were missing and why they don't have the, the sort of cult staying power that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your your character, like you said, was kind of the the kid that everyone could relate to. And uh, he was kind of like the narrator through it. Like when all this craziness For is happening, sure. I'm like, no, 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 we're still, we're still, we're going to the beach yeah, house. Yeah, stick we're, to the plan. Yeah, we got the book. We got the, th- like... It did, did when the other movies came out that were because Lord knows they made thirty seven American Pie movies. <laughs> uh, like when the Naked Mile comes out, are you looking at that as a star from the main films? Going, hey guys, don't ruin it. Like at first, I I did because I thought like, oh man, when they started doing the straight to DVD ones. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think I was kind of like, damn, Eugene Levy's making bank on these. I wish I was <laughs> yeah. Jim's dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then my second thought was, man, they're really just you know, watering down the brand and making American Pie like the new National Lampoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. American Pie presents and each one is worse than the, the previous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was at a, uh, a music festival called Bamboozle uh, in New Jersey uh, in 2011. Mm-hmm. And we were just gearing up to start shooting uh, American Reunion. And so then I, I became friends with this band uh, called Forever the Sickest Kids and their fan base is like 14. Mm-hmm. So they're they're like, hey, do you want to come introduce the band? I'm like, your audience is not going to know who I am. <laughs> they actually weren't alive yeah. when I did the first one, or they were again one. Yeah. Um. And so they're like, no, no, it's cool, it's cool. Come on out. So I'm I'm standing there in front of like nine thousand kids, and I tell them that we're going to shoot, you know, American Reunion, and they go nuts. They start moshing, wow. and I was like, wow, this is so weird. And it dawned on me in that moment that. The DVD, the straight-to-DVD ones, yeah. as bad as they were, what they did is they actually kept the brand alive. And made so those, that, maybe those kids go back. Right, because it's what do you do when you see something and you keep seeing the same thing rebranded? 
you back catalog. Yeah. So yeah. all those kids back catalog to American Pie One because of the DVD releases. So as, even though they might be bad, they actually right. reintroduced the brand and made people watch. Oh shit! The the, the first one. Well, yeah. and to be fair, without American Pie: The Naked Mile, we wouldn't have a scene of uh, the, the the teens all playing football against midgets. So I think I mean, yeah. how bummed were you that that wasn't in <laughs> one, two, or three? Totally bummed. I actually had no idea what's in any of them. I haven't seen any of the DVD ones. With good reason. Oh, uh, what was even so? You're at what point in like just your career are you when that m- movie like comes along? When you like, I mean, and I'm curious. Like, did just a script get sent to you, or was it just a regular audition? Or for the uh, first one, for the first one, yeah. it was a, it was a regular audition. Um, you know, at that point, I, man, I started acting when I was like six, right? So I'd already had Rookie of the Year yeah. uh, yes. in my you know in my my career history, and that mm-hmm. was successful, but. I was a kid, yeah. So mm-hmm. American Pie really introduced me as a young adult, totally. And yeah. um, it was one of those things where, to be honest, the first time I read the script, just to even go audition, I opened the first page, and it was a little different than the the movie we saw. The first scene was uh, Kevin and Vicky, and Kevin's got his hand down Vicky's pants, and he's you know giving her a hand job, and she's giving him instructions. And I was like, oh my dear God! <laughs> like the title of the script was like untitled teenage sex comedy that you can make for under $10 million that audiences will love but studios will hate or something like that. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I threw it in the trash. I called my agent. I was like, why are you sending me like teenage porn? Like, I'm an actor, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they call back. They're like, oh, they really want to see you. Can you just read the script? I was like, fine, I'll read the script. And I read it and it was awesome. Because once you got past that yeah. sort of introduction, you realized that, you saw that the there was script. a sad heart. Totally. Mm-hmm. The theme of friendship and just right. uh, how relatable it was. Is that, you think that's pretty uh, consistent though with most just actors and I mean, seeing something and just kind of having an initial reaction and going like, no, not for me. And then I mean, I think that's that's happened to everyone. We all judge yeah. a book by its cover. That's yeah. cool that they wanted you, though. I mean, that they were so adamant about you. I think they just had a hard time finding who the hell they were going to get to play the character. Cause <laughs> they couldn't get they, Christian Bale. They made an offer to uh, my buddy, Andrew Keegan, but he couldn't yeah. do it because he was already doing um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. So oh, they wow. And they had seen people in like New York and L.A. And same thing happened for Rookie of the Year. I mean, really, mm-hmm. all my best jobs happened by accident. No kidding. Uh, Rookie of the Year, I accidentally auditioned for twice. So I w- they saw 5,000 kids for that role in oh, L.A., shit. Chicago, New York. I auditioned for it, did not get a call back, and I happened to be switching agents and my new agent was like, oh, I got an audition for you, Rookie of the Year. I was like, oh, yeah, I already went in on this. She goes, well, obviously they don't remember you, so go again. <laughs> and so I went again, and then wow. I got a call back. So, no kidding. Yeah. Now, in that audition, do they, do they? I'm curious, Like, do they have you reenact the scene where – because I feel like what's – so I kind of – Brad and I were talking where is he, about this. Where is he going with well, this, when, Brad? When the, no, arm, no, when the arm gets when, – when you're in the stadium and you pick up the – like the initial with the cock of the arm and that slow like head turn towards it to realize like what the fuck. Like that's – as a kid watching that, you were just like, I mean, that was so, like, you wanted to be that so bad because you knew what that meant. It was basically you were discovering your superpower. Right. So, like, what did, was that? I don't remember what the audition scene was for Rookie of the Year. Uh, I do remember the React one. React to funky butt loving, please, <laughs> and try not to laugh. No, the, the thing I remember was the callback was just me and, and, and Daniel Stern. 
yeah. uh, who directed the film. Yeah, yeah, and played so, uh, a, one of the goofball players in the film, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Brickma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Little help, little help now. <laughs> He's the pitching coach, right? Yeah. yeah. All, always had a like a four pound brick of tobacco in his mouth, which was awesome. Brilliant character actor. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was his like I think his stress reliever role for sure because it was like so stressful to you know direct this film and yeah. Gary Busey and try to keep him in line. I oh mean, really? Crazy Busey was or Busey crazy at that point? Yeah, he'd already had his motorcycle accidents. Oh, he was wow. already a nut job. Wow, he seems so tame. Well, he's it's probably his last like legitimate role. Yeah, where mm-hmm. he doesn't play someone who's like off their rocker. He plays the guy who's who's fucking your mom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> he's he's a motherfucker in that movie. <laughs> Never thought about it like that. <laughs> Gary Busey. Gary Busey, the motherfucker. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, 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 that would be great if that's how he was credited. Just like, yeah. so it'd be like instead of <laughs> instead of uh, the rocket. <laughs> anyway, how much uh, baseball experience did they want you to? You obviously they needed you to be able to play right a little bit. Uh, like they certainly did, but they didn't. I mean, yeah. you know, the character's not very good at it, right? Uh, so I took it upon myself when I got the role. I did like two weeks of training with a neighbor of mine who used to pitch in college and mm-hmm. so he taught me the mechanics of pitching so that i could actually get it to the plate 60 feet six inches yes um, yeah, you were really doing that yeah that's i mean crazy but not the way that you see in the because oftentimes in the film they would have like nothing in my hand and like mm-hmm. put a cgi ball so they could make it go faster yeah um nope nope i didn't hear that nope pretending i didn't hear that nope that was real that movie was real i was a kid it was real and i wanted to be that and i don't know what you just said i'll tell you i'll tell you what i did get though you know without uh if you know much about the mechanics of pitching love it uh there's no field of resistance if you're pitching in uh, your hands empty right so i actually developed tendonitis during that film yeah i remember two weeks in we did a scene that got cut from the film where uh i i threw a rock faster than a train because uh, my friends were like, do it again. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm doing this scene, and I'm, I'm throwing this rock towards the camera, and they've got, like, this hollow rock. Mm-hmm. Now, the hollow rock is, like, plastic, and it won't go. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like wavy, and yeah. and they, they, they're they like, it needs to be faster, faster. I'm like, it's it's a hollow rock. Like, there's only so much you can do. And I'm, like, right. complaining. My arms are, and the producer comes up to me. I'm 12. I'm crying. He's like, <laughs> he's like you know. We're only two weeks into this. Uh, if this is too tough for you, you can go home and we can just bring someone else on board. What? And I was like Holy 12, shit. and I was like, no, I'm all right. <laughs> Let's go and do another take. Jesus. Wow. You know, if you're a little pussy-ass bitch and you can't throw a fucking rock, we can go get one of your buddies. We can go get the, the guy who taught you how to pitch. We can just dress him down, make him look like he's 12. <laughs> My God, that's insane! They, right? They they they, they put that Tough kind of love. pressure on you. Oh yeah, gotta they, get results. Know, it's a it's a studio picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how pumped! So this is like your first big movie, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I had done Radio Flyer before that, yes. but mm-hmm. I wasn't the main one of the main kids, right? So there's got to be an extra level of excitement, pressure, oh, for sure, every, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You just lose your mind. Like, do you still remember the day when you found out? Or I like, think my I got it on video. My mom like videotaped it. That's of me getting the call from my agent that I got the the job and just celebrating up and like down. Chuck E. Cheese or something like what do you do? As a kid? <laughs> I just feel like that's such a big deal. I would lose my mind if I yeah. Uh, I don't think we went to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> right. Well, you don't have to be a uh, dick about it. <laughs> it's like uh, I went to Vegas yeah. like yeah. an adult. <laughs> Snorted coke off a hooker's yeah. ass. Yeah. That's how I yeah. celebrate. Like you a know, kid. <laughs> I was, I, you know, they, they. You hear about these Disney kids partying? I was that before them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I was Miley Cyrus yeah. way before Miley was licking sledgehammers. Yeah, yeah. Come on. 
Because <laughs> you get to, because you get to then knowing that you're gonna like go to like Wrigley and stuff. Like I feel like, right? That's insane. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely insane. We filmed there for a month. Uh, on the field, so Jeez, it still so kind of cool. has nostalgia for me. I go back sure. once a year and throw you sing the, the national first pitch. Yeah, no, not the. I don't do the sing the national. Anthem. Well, not the national. Anthem. You sing the uh, seventh inning stretch. Seventh inning stretch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do the seventh inning stretch and throw out the first pitch. I do it now like once a year. And That's it's, incredible. It's always like just a good time to be on the field again. You do know? Cubs fans look at that? As like their movie, like because it's, it's about well, yeah, the it's Cubs. The, it's the last time the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, but you know, I think obviously we have a like an amazing team this year. So yeah. I think if there was ever a year that the Cubs could do it, this is so the that one. is your team. Well, how could it not be? Yeah. I mean, I mean I, that's what I was thinking, but I don't know. My wife's from Chicago. Oh, it's perfect. like I'm just I'm in love with Chicago. What do yeah. you want? Yeah, it would that's, be. That's cool. like my stomping ground for the band. We play in Chicago more than we play anywhere else, dude. That's amazing. It would be fucked up if you stepped on the field <laughs> and really to throw first pitch wearing like a Red Sox hat. <laughs> Everyone's like, ah, oh, dude, come on, can <laughs> you at least just pretend? <laughs> no, it's for my team. one pitch. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, I mean, what that about, makes sense. What's my team supposed to be like? I'm born. I was born in Vegas. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We yes. don't even have. Do we have a team? <laughs> do you? No, no, Vegas doesn't have a baseball team. There's not like the Vegas. Um, well, Nevada call girls. Nevada team. Does Nevada have a team? Uh, no, a I don't. College? No, they don't. They have UNLV. That's like the closest wow. thing to pro. They almost in got Vegas. the when they were talking about the. Um, I think Clippers relocating at one point. They talked about them going there. And didn't we get like football teams now? Yeah, or we have two or St. Louis Rams. We get the. We didn't get two. Oh, the Raiders backed out of the deal, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have the Raiders and the Rams. Yeah, again. Again, that would have been, been too much. Uh, Everybody loves to come back to LA. <laughs> what was? It, were you intimidated working with all those uh, actors, or did you even know who they were? During the um, I, I don't think. I mean, probably would be more intimidated now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think at the time that I had seen Apocalypse Now, so <laughs> I didn't realize that the manager. You yeah. know, he was like the the boat captain, yeah. dude. What the manager of the of Rookie of the Year? Was the fucking boat captain of Apocalypse Now? Dude, dude's got range. <laughs> yeah, dude. I have to rewatch. You know the Holy the Rafa Bluzer. Yeah, Garner yeah. Ozer, that yeah. guy. Wow. Holy Did you guys shit. not put it together? No. no. Like I didn't because I was twelve. I didn't see Apocalypse Now when yeah. I was twelve. But I saw, I, I saw it a few years later, and I was like, Oh my god, that's insane. I worked with that dude. That's yeah. awesome. Rona yeah. Bega. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw Daniel Stern was like, Oh, that's Harry from Home Alone. That's what I put together. <laughs> yeah. That must have been crazy, right? Yeah. That was cool. Seen that. Yeah. Uh, did they kind of give you tips as a young kid actor, or, or do you feel like too like once you get something like that as a kid actor, you're like, all right, well clearly I know what I'm doing. I don't need any like outside help. No, or, no. I mean, of course, I'm. That's the, the purpose of being an actor is you have to be able to take uh, direction. Right. Unlike mm-hmm. this podcast, which apparently I'm just like looking. You look at me like this guy's a dick. Like, no, <laughs> looking at me like, oh no, oh, no dude, no, are you no. kidding me? This I'm so pumped. That you're here. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever, dude. Yeah, the the, 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 the fact that. Adam called me this morning and was like, all right, I rewatched Rookie of the Year last night. <laughs> Dude, no joke. No joke. Top five favorite movie. Come on. Really? Yeah. Forrest Gump, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Rookie of the Year, Jurassic Park. You had me until you said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> How dare okay, you, sir. Number one, have you seen the splinter that the Jim Henson Creature Shop made in that film? Wait, so which Teenage Mutant Turtles Ninja Turtles? Turtles 1. The one that, that New Line made that was like an indie film that was like raw and like, you know. The like, the, like the original, original. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one. Back the guy who played the Casey suits. Jones. The 90s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where Not, the suits looked real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was that dope. Yeah. I thought you were like saying. Number three when they went to China? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 
just meant like the new one with Megan Fox. Or no, 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 no. Walked out of it. <clears throat> yeah, walked out of it. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the, I went to see it because I was like, it was like, it was like when your dad shaved his mustache, and you're like, well, I gotta still look at him. Like, I gotta go, <laughs> even you know. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna look at him for very long because I don't recognize that. I don't recognize that guy. That's how it was seeing turtles. It's the like when they, they show those videos on Facebook where the the. They got like a kid and they shave their beard and like the yeah. kid cries when they see their father. That, that was you, you walked out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but Megan Fox crying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crying. It's yeah. not the turtles I grew up with. <laughs> Came home and watched the original on VHS. So sad. I did. Uh, yeah, no, no, but seriously, top five. That's amazing. Yeah, man. it's uh, this awesome. is this is fucking really cool. When you get a part like I that, should be nicer to him, right? No, it's, nah, be mean to him. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> When, when Please you, sign my chest. <laughs> uh, when you get a part like that, now you're still now you're going to school, right? Like during that time, like you like regular public school. Well, uh, no. When you're on the set, I worked. What was there? Fifty five shooting days. I worked fifty four of them. Wow. Um, and I was doing three hours of school every day on the set with like a two with a yeah. They have a, a school set teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is that more fun than going to school? No, it sucks, dude. Yeah, because you know, essentially. You know, you you have to do like a minimum of twenty or thirty minutes or something like that in mm-hmm. the schoolroom. So when you take a break, so you know now as I do a film, I'm like, cool, relax, go hang out at you know craft service table, eat yeah. some snacks, go take a nap in my trailer, yeah. you know, whatever. Responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like, okay, you're offset, go to school, and then you're like there studying and like doing homework, and then you barely finish an assignment or not finish one, and then you're back to work, oh. and you got to know your lines, and so Jeez. I got done with that. Movie and I came back. I was like two months behind in school. Yeah. Um, well, also, because the the teacher makes you do everything, and in school they skip a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but they weren't really good with the lesson plan. <laughs> and like, how could you be focused? Because you're like, I just struck out Frank Thomas. <laughs> how can I now come back and do long division? Like your your head's not exactly in that space. Right. Yeah. So that, that that's. And then when the movie was done, did you then you did you go back to public school at at, at that point? Uh, yeah, I was going to uh, a school called Laurel Hall at the time because mm-hmm. at the time what was this like ninety two? Uh, all the, there was a public school nearby me, and uh, they had like a gun scare. Oh shit! <laughs> so they had like metal detectors at the school, so that they right. could, so no future kids could bring guns. Yeah. So my mom's like, "Yeah, not so much there." Yeah. So I, I that's when I started into private school. <laughs> right. It was like, yeah, public school, not so much. Yeah. And when you're that age, and uh, like, how did the other kids treat actors? Like, it what yeah, they call you rutabagger and all that shit. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's a weird one, man. So, so I was just about to start a brand new school. Okay. Um, and it started on the 14th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, three days before that, I arrived in Chicago to start filming. So I was not even there to start my brand new like oh, seventh man. grade education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked me to send a picture uh, for the yearbook, and I heard. So when I got back, I'll get back to that yeah. in a second. Okay, okay. This will preface it. Yeah. So when I got to school, I got there like right before Christmas vacation, and everyone was like, looked at me. And treated me like so poorly when I first arrived there. And what I found out later, because they once they found out that I wasn't a dick, <laughs> they were like, oh, this guy's cool. Yeah. We thought he was going to be a dick. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they thought I was going to be like totally full of myself. Yeah. Every day, my homeroom teacher held up my picture and said, this is Tom. He's away in Chicago filming a movie right now. Say good morning, Tom. Come on, class. Every day. day. Where is this cunt? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's dead. Oh, my God. That is so fucked up. Right? Dude, that 
basically digging a hole for you. Right. Yeah. And I, mean, I was. I might as well have been teacher's pet. Yeah. By the know. way, that teacher was a failed actor for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure, he was just like, it was my dream to film a movie in Chicago, and I never got to do it. This is Tom, and I guess he fulfilled his dream. <laughs> That, Say hello, dream maker. That's what a dick. Like, and yeah. that, and you said that's seventh grade, which junior high. That that's the hardest age, right? By itself, oh, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to just, and like, you're starting a new school, and this is I your first impression before you oh. even arrive. I mean, it was cool. It all worked out. Yeah, like, yeah. One of the guys that I went to school with is, you know, my best friend. He was nice. best man at my wedding. You know, that's I great. dated a girl during junior high school that I dated her all the way until senior or junior high till like senior in high school. We broke up, and now I think she's married to a chick. But, you know, I mean, hey, some good stuff well, happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was good stuff. Well, those the best. It's like, they're so... Now, do you find that out through, like, Facebook? Or is that like, does she hit you up and just send you a picture and be like, hey, this is what I get to do now? <laughs> <laughs> I just... By the way, you just saw, like, such a clear in my head of, like, I hope this is how lesbians <laughs> announce their lesbianism. <laughs> This is what I get to do. Such a fucking ten year old. Right. It was it was pretty much Facebook that yeah. they gave it away. Yeah. That and like my mom and her still hung out after we broke up. Like right. like a couple years later they got tattoos together. What? Wow. Yeah. I think go. she was maybe making a play for my mom. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's just so funny. The that's, mom that's totally not true. Yeah, the mom's as just, far as I know. <laughs> the moms are so good about keeping up. Like, I mean, my mom just I had a talk with her the other day. Just the sweetest Puddin, right? Her name's Puddin. She lives up in Seattle. Just the, the sweetest Jewish lady ever. And she told me about six different of her friends who are either going to die from cancer or who have cancer. Oh, jeez. And then just moved on to being like, so any fun auditions coming up? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that happens like with a little bit of age because, you know, I just did this event in mm. West Palm Beach, this uh, you know award show for student filmmakers, so awesome. college and high school kids that had made films, uh, short films, and they were winning awards for their efforts. They had there was like seventeen hundred submissions, two hundred and fifty picked, and then like twenty were given awards. That's awesome. So it was great, you know. And West Palm Beach, I guess, is where Burt Reynolds is from. And Burt, I got to you know meet Burt Reynolds, and what? he does a scholarship every year and gives a scholarship to a a, a young filmmaker. But so he did this like Q&A session and he's on the Q&A and you're like, man, cool. It's Burt Reynolds. It's awesome. And he starts talking about his friends that are now dead, like Dom DeLuise (laughs) and how sad it is. And you think like, oh, my God, Burt Reynolds is going to cry on stage during the Q&A. And it just must be something that happens. Like we have this to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we're when we're 80, (laughs) we're going to be talking about, you know, I mean, well, one of us will be talking about the other. (laughs) I don't know. Well, if you're going to be talking about how that dude uh, that came in and was a dick on your podcast <laughs> oh, died well, or, you know, I'll be like, it. hey, that, that podcast they did, they got, those guys are dead. Well, I mean, I said I'm 32, but that's actually 68 and dwarf. So it's... <laughs> I was wondering what the ratio... It's probably going to be... The <laughs> it's probably going to be me first. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> That is so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Brad has six more years in the tree and then move him to a home. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, – that's so cool that you did uh, – are you really big on those um, – uh, just like, I don't know, uh, uh, in helping like young filmmakers and just – did you do any of that before you got into the business? Like did you make home movies and like um, – No, not, not, no home movies that I'd be willing to share. 
Um, <laughs> well, but, done, sir. <laughs> but like, no. I'm just curious of your uh, involvement with like things like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I started acting when I was six. So yeah. I mean, I do produce films. Yep. Uh, and I directed and produced and wrote one. Like my first one when I was like 22. Holy shit! Um, so I mean, I I and I did like I think a, a student project. I might even put it up on YouTube because it's so bad. For I just sure found the VHS of my like junior high school film project. Yeah, you got mm. to because uh, my friends are all like hitting me up. Like one of my buddies lives in Vegas. He's like, did you find the tape? Did you find the tape? Yeah. Um, so anyway. That's beside the point. I am you off topic. Do, no, but I mean, uh, I, I made so many of those home movies and put up a few, and like my buddies who were in them, were like we're all about it because now they have that because they're not doing it. So they're like, "Look, I used to do cool, really fun shit," and they'll like share that link to their coworkers, and they're right. like, "Yeah, you shouldn't share that." Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I shot this on like a high eight camera, like wow, back in '94. Nice. You know, nice. Um, but, but as far as like you know, supporting young filmmakers or things that that kids are doing, for sure, I do a lot of work with uh, with charities, mainly ones that focus on things for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no offense to animals, but I. You know, like to focus on humans. Sure. Um, you know, dude, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I know a lot of my friends. You know, do these like animal rescue things, and I think that's great. Good. Yeah. And, and you good. Know, I'm glad and, they do that, and that's covered. Yeah. So covered. I do like you know the St. Jude stuff, or awesome. mm-hmm. uh, and so with the with this uh, award show yeah. in West Palm Beach, I did this film called Walt Before Mickey that just came out uh, on VOD in December. It's I play Walt Disney from the age of seventeen to twenty seven. Shut up. Uh, during his early life and career, before he created Mickey Mouse, and one of the actors slash producers in the film is from West Palm Beach, and so he hosts this uh, award show and has done it every year for ten years. So uh-huh. he told me about it two years ago when we shot the movie, and the last couple years I wasn't available, and this is the first time. So that's how I got involved with this one. That's a dude playing young. That's incredible. It was uh, it was an amazing time to, uh, and pro- you probably don't know this about Walt Disney. You probably don't that Maybe. he failed. Like when I say failed, I mean I never lived on the street for two weeks. I and oh, wow. was so broke I had no ability to live anywhere or eat any food other than what was given to him. I had no idea that he was yeah. that poor. Fully bankrupt in Kansas City with his first company, Laughagram. Came out to California with $40 to his name after selling a camera that was enough to get a train ticket, had a suitcase full of clothes, and that's when he started you know, Disney Brothers here in, uh, in Burbank. No Amazing. clue. You just always assume that people... like Same thing with like Seinfeld. I remember when I first like saw a comedian, the documentary about him, and, and seeing him going, hitting the clubs and rebuilding an hour, I was like... Oh, he does that too? I thought he just like was funny and then just made it and was famous. <laughs> I thought he just woke up and was Seinfeld. Yeah. But it's like there are these stories uh, like that. I mean, did you know it? You had to research and figure out all that before you. Well, this was based upon a book called Walt Before Mickey gotcha. that is the first book that was ever, um, I guess, approved by the Disney family as being the truth. Mm-hmm. So Diane Disney Miller wrote the foreword of the book and she was friends with the author. So the movie is based on this book. I got the phone call from my agent and said, hey, do you want to play Walt Disney movie? I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yes. I was like, as long like, as the first page isn't uh, Walt giving his girlfriend a hand job, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> the exact same. Um, yeah. So they were like, cool, you start next week. Wow. I was like, uh, so you better grow your ham. Yeah, yeah, I had like yeah. one week to read the script and the book. Yeah. And, and then yeah, just look up other facets of his life. Because, yeah, we all, we all know the Disneyland stuff and like, but we don't know what made that in the fact that, yeah, who knows? Maybe the fact that he was poor and did hit that rock bottom that probably 
gave him the work ethic that allowed him to succeed. For sure. It did. Well, that's where he decided. It was it was that moment, and then later at Disney Brothers when he was working for M J Winkler and you know Charlie Mintz and Snappy Comedies with Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Then that got both of those and the Alice comedies. The copyrights got pulled from him, and that's when he decided he would never work for anyone again. And that's why it became why you know why it, Mickey Mouse was born was through the idea of yeah. not wanting of wanting to be his own boss. Well, and that's and that speaks to so many levels in that uh, you kind of have to a lot of times failure is good. Well, in absolutely. The long if, you're run. Not, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Yes. There's no success. And that's what I love about this. It's totally opened my eyes to the idea that you cannot succeed if you don't fail. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't fail. <laughs> if you don't fail. <laughs> Thanks, tech support. Uh, yeah. No, but, but Damn it, Siri. Thanks for the autocorrect. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right because Am and I, like, we have comics that come up to us and say, like, hey, you know, how do I get good? It's like, you have to. Do it. You have so to like go I on did stage. This, yeah, when I hear someone say, like, God, I did this show the other night, and it was like, I fucking, I bombed. I'm like, oh, cool. So you mean you got better? Because, like, if you're crushing all the time, you're just getting so, I mean, yeah, like, you do want to get to a point where, you know, if you're Louis C.K., Bill Burr, like, yeah, you want to be, like, on all the time. But even them, like, they're still working. It never stops. So when they're working out, and they're like, oh, cool, like, I, the whole thing didn't crush. Oh, great. That means I, I there's work to do still. I haven't mastered this because I don't. Think any of us can master any of you. You learn a lot more from your failures yeah. than you do your success. Absolutely, yeah, success it, is so like it's fleeting and and it's it. I don't know. There's there's something that's misrepresenting about yourself yep. when you succeed. And you don't uh, you don't push yourself or reflect as much. I feel like you kind of ride the wave of like I'm that awesome. Was, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I know how to do that. Right. To the next drink or right. whatever. Did you have <laughs> speak personally? <laughs> did you have anything in your life that was like your own personal? I, I don't want to use the word failure, but did you have like a moment in your life that was like, oh crap, that didn't go well, but then you responded or like that lit a fire under your ass, whether it be uh, acting or music or anything in those categories? Um, I mean, man, there's so many. There's too too many to really kind of count. Yeah, I don't know what my my most fantastic failure is, <laughs> or just something that you got really contemplative about, where you were like, oh cool, like I really stepped. I I learned a lot uh, life wise from that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've just the main thing for me is I, I always trudge forward. I never give up. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to hearing the word no that <laughs> to the point where like if someone wants to give me a critique and they're afraid like what my reaction might be, I'm like, no, you can do it. It's cool. I'm, I'm pretty used to hearing that I suck. Like, because <laughs> as an it, actor, you you yeah. have to, you, and I've got a pretty thick skin about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, there there were times when I thought I was gonna you know quit or take a break or or whatever and but then each time that that kind of point happens uh something will kind of rise up right at that moment of like that absolute final moment when i'm gonna quit mm -hmm. and i still show up at the next one i mean american pie is a perfect example of that oh really um you know at that time i hadn't really booked a job in a minute was king king arthur's court how what was the gap between that and i mean american that was pie? when i was 14 okay and then we did the sequel when I was 15, yep. but then that went straight to, to video. Mm -hmm. Which so is was, crazy, because the first one was so great. Right, but it was... It, <laughs> was it? People yeah. like that. No, you like that? He's, loved, it. he's yep. loved it. Totally legitimate with that. Great. Hey, come on, dude. The story... Are you kidding me? Like, first of all, you're opening again like in a relatable situation with the kid and the baseball, and then sucked into this world where it's like... And I was telling Brad, I go, you are so good at the, um, like... Uh, 
just being very subtle with like reactions when they were like when the uh, king was like, "I'm this guy and you're here to save Camilla," and you're just like, "Cool!" Like what? Like <laughs> it was so like I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like that's how I would react if I were the kid <laughs> dealing with this shit. Uh, and then just you know all the stuff with the roller, but it was just a fun story. I mean, I I thought it was you know. It's apropos that you got like Kate Winslet in there and Daniel Craig, yeah, you know, an Oscar award winner yeah. and like Bond, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then you're, I mean, like you playing the music. What was the song you played on the boombox when it was? Uh, oh, I don't know, just some yeah. like random, you know, free licensed jam. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> it might have been Belle Biv DeBose po- Poisons, <laughs> something we did, something we didn't have to pay for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was an it was it was an independent movie that they sold to Disney. Oh no! So oh, wow. we we shot it was the same producer of like Point Break and um what did he what else did he do recently? Uh, I mean, his dad did like Smokey and the Bandit, but you know he did Point Break and um uh, something else. Uh, Van Wilder. Wow. Okay. Um, so you know he we did the film, shot it for like two million bucks, and they sold it to Disney for like four million. Yeah. Um, and then you know the sequel again. I don't know. Kidding here, this court. A lot of people dig it. It's like one of my least favorites because gotcha. it was it was a weird situation where we were making like a fun family mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And the director was making a really dramatic love story. What? And so it was oh. this really terrible battle on set every day so i look at the film and i totally see like the yeah we are over seriousness of the directors gotcha trying to achieve this yeah. and me like playing that line of fun being outside of that yeah, yeah. it's like well it, it's a kid who was playing a little league game got sucked into some sort of vortex and goes back in time to king arthur's court yeah i don't think you could be like i need sort of lawrence of olivier from you <laughs> but joss auckland who played king arthur was yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have like I have a video somewhere of me like doing an impression of Beavis and Butthead <laughs> and like sitting awesome. next to him and he I could just see he's just like smoldering. <laughs> Damn this child and yeah. his cartoon impressions. <laughs> it was because we would be on set and like, you know, they have a set photographer yeah. and he would mm-hmm. you know, he would play to the lens so much. Oh, God. He'd be like, I can't have any photos taken of me while I'm acting. Oh wow. Yeah. It was I was and I would just laugh at him. <laughs> Like, dude, we're making I was such a, mo- a dick. <laughs> no, I think. But that's such a fun. I mean, you have to have that kind of a mentality about it, right? Like, don't you think you can't take this shit too seriously? For sure. And yeah. that's why, you know, I was doing impressions of Beavis and Butthead in between. <laughs> hey, that to me sounds like a guy who's fun to have on set. <laughs> but like, and I was talking to Adam before, like when we when we looked at the King and King Arthur's Court, and you looked at Rookie of the Year, and you look at movies that were made back then about kids winning. Like, whether it be Three Ninjas, whether it be Blank Check, whether it be, like, Home Alone. Like, kids won. I don't see too many movies out nowadays that are, like, the kid is smarter than the adults and the kids win. I don't know if it's people trying to make movies for adults instead of kids, but, like, I loved seeing... Rookie of the Year, because you see a kid like, I want that to happen to me. I right. want I want to do that. I relate to that kid. I didn't even really think about that. There were a lot of those films around yeah. that time, but... Now it seems like, well, at least in the, because I, I have a son who's four, mm-hmm. nice. and my wife is nine months pregnant. We're having a daughter hey, in a month, so. Hey, oh, my goodness. You pumped? Um, I, or, and scared, yeah, you know, sure. but totally excited. Yeah. yeah. And not, I think my wife and I are like, my wife really can't wait. She's like, can we, can I have the kid now? <laughs> like, this hurts. <laughs> this is a lot of weight. Yeah. That and, pretty much and, sums up pregnancy. And, yeah. and then, and pretty much the thing, you know, also like, Crap! When we have the kid, neither one of us are going to sleep ever again. Right? Is that how um, it really is? How it is? Huh? Um, 
I mean, for the first couple months. Yeah. The first couple months, because the kids got to eat like every three to four hours. Yeah. So you're pretty much living on like power naps. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, we're, it's, I mean, it's already in the morning when my son has to go to preschool. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. drawing the short straw. Like, who's going to take him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us, because my wife's a DJ, so she works at night. No shit. We don't go to bed until like two yeah. every day. It's like our normal schedule. And then, the, you know, he's got to be at school at eight. Or nine. Wow. Right. Well, I mean, it feels, like, have it feels be, like five. You could bring yeah. them in at two, and I think you'd learn just as much. <laughs> at preschool, I babysat my uh, nieces uh, when they were five for a week and took them to um, preschool or kindergarten every day. And I literally would pick them up and be like, what'd you guys do today? Had some corn dogs? I go, what else? Drew a butterfly? I go, what the fuck's going on over there? <laughs> Man, my, my, my son's preschool has homework. He's wow. got to draw his letters. Yeah. Wow. He's got workbook pages. Yeah. I got to turn just, this stuff in. Yeah. I didn't say it was a good school they were going to. I just said, <laughs> I said they still don't know how to spell hot dog, but, yeah. they, you know. So, so like, because you have a four-year-old, yeah. you, you, you probably look at the entertainment. That's how well, Yeah, so kids. I was saying, like, yeah. for all the cartoons, one of the main reasons we even ended up showing him, because I showed him Star Wars. His first mm-hmm. movie was, like, Mary Poppins, you know. There you go. Good, Great call. Like, wholesome, you yeah. know, film. Then, you know, he saw, like, eventually, probably way too young, but, you know, whatever, uh, saw episode four of Star Wars. Okay. And then I only wanted to show him four, five, and six and pretend, like, one, two, and three didn't exist. As we all like to do. Like, if we could all <laughs> make him black, flashy thingy, our memory, we would all do that. Right? Flashy thingy. Yeah. 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 So, so then, but then, like, all the cartoons were all, all the, the guy or the, the, you know, the male characters were all, like, animals or cars or objects or robots yeah. or things. And all the ones that had, like, you know, the lead characters were girls. Yeah. So now, like, I got my son. This is, a you know, maybe a year and a half ago, two years. He, like, wants to, like, wear a dress and sing Let It Go. So we're like, okay, we're going to show you episode one of Star Wars <laughs> where, you know, we got Anakin Skywalker yeah. who's, you know, nine years old. And yeah. you're going to see a male character right, win right, the right. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, like, you want to show them. Mighty Ducks. You want to show them Rookie of the Year. Like, you want to show them things where it's like, no, these are kids actually doing something. Like, the kids win. Has he right. seen Rookie of the Year? Uh, he hasn't yet. I mean, he's seen, like, bits and pieces. I remember yeah. when he was, like, 10 months old, like, it came on the TV when we are flipping channels or something, or mm-hmm. maybe a year, and he's like, Daddy! Like, wow. how did he recognize the he's, 12-year-old version of his dad? That is crazy. Um, he's, he still recognized you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, that by the way, I feel like is going to be a really cool moment. When he's old enough to watch, take in, like, quotes, like, really love. You know, when kids, like, like I feel like that's, my niece are almost seven now, and they're, like, a movie, it will resonate with them. Yeah. And, like, that's... Like, well, see, just it's one of those weird things. He's, he has such a good memory and wants to like incessantly watch things. Mm-hmm. There's some language in that film mm. that Funky butt loving. Like, well, <laughs> what? I, I feel like there's some other person? there's some other things in there. Like, well, just there's also some like adolescent themes yeah. that are in there, and he's sure. just going to be like. You know, what's that mean? Why is he yeah. acting that way? Why yeah. is he flirting with this girl? What's flirting? You know, it's like... Because yeah. he's horny, son. Yeah. And who's <laughs> thinking, what, what was the blonde... Was a little young for, you know, yeah. understanding adolescence. What was the blonde-haired sure. kid's name? Who was your buddy? Uh, I only remember his real name. Okay. Patrick Lebrecht. For sure. But there was a scene when there was... <laughs> he's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's not here. Uh, but uh, he was great. Uh, but, there was, but when you guys in, in the lunchroom and the girl that you had the crush on... Um, he did some sort of motion about how she's stacked. He's got stacked. a big yeah. personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's stacked. She's yeah, stacked, yeah. 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 So there's so, things like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. What's I stacked, don't, I, don't need my, I don't need my four-year-old going to school like, those are Tatas. Those are BMS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He will not be listening to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and we talk about Rookie of the Year. I, I actually got a gift for you. And I hope, I, I hope this is cool. Uh, we have a mutual friend. You know Jensen Carp? 
he, he owns the 1988 gallery, the art gallery. Okay. Uh, he <laughs> made up these uh, Dude! playing cards. No way! These are playing cards, like, essentially, if Henry Rogartner was a baseball Whoa. player. Have you seen this? No. This guy did Coolier uh, cool Smith. Is that the artist? Uh, yeah, I think I don't know yeah. how to pronounce the name. It's C U Y L E R. Cool, cool, clear. Yeah, Claire. Sounds right to me. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's got a whole series, and it's all fictional. Yeah, uh, so it has guys. So, so it's like so it has like um, Adam Banks from the from the Mighty Ducks, and like his sports trading card, and it's got like all the. Um, uh, a league of their Sandlot, own players. Yeah, yeah, S- yeah Sandlot. Yeah, it's got it's got uh, Benny the Jet. Wow. Um, I've got I followed him on Instagram. I saw this, dude. Are you kidding? Yeah, there you go. This is so awesome. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was totally gonna go to the opening of this, but I was at that gig in Florida. On yeah. the opening night. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So he. Dude, uh, thank you. Dude, no are the, worries. Are the stats right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. You want to see this? Yeah, I would love to, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw it on. Uh, dude, that is. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. I got to pull up this guy's thing for you. Well, you know, the, the artist. It mm-hmm. looks like, uh, what, Don Russ? Or what was the. Um... Oh, uh, that was the brand of uh, trading card. Top flight? Like. I don't know. Look, like... it's even got, like, the Karate Kid. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, like he, he, he has a this, genius idea. He has this whole series. You know, of, you got Bill Murray from uh, what? I can't. What? What? Space uh, Jam. Space Jam. Yeah, yeah thank you. On. I was yeah. like, what's that? Time Squad. I was like, yeah. that's not the name of the movie. <laughs> you know, you got you got Ty Webb from uh, wow. from Caddyshack. Yeah. So it has, yeah, so this whole series is awesome. Now yeah. it says and it does everyone because it has a, a quote underneath your name. Hey, we want a picture, not an underwear snitcher. <laughs> I want to know what was your because there's so many quotable lines from you in that film. What was your favorite one to do, or what was the one that got repeated back to you most? Uh, well, funky butt loving gets repeated back to me the most. I'm sorry, yeah. I said it three times on this podcast. Um, but I always remind people when they want me to like write it if I'm signing like a rookie of the year autograph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I go, I'm happy to write that. You know, my character actually didn't say it. Yeah. Oh. And mo- and so, and but- Santa's not real. <laughs> Um, and then uh, what's the other one? I, the the throw on the uh, the high stinky cheddar. Yeah, that's there you go. that's, that's probably one. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. To sort of like run around and say yeah, <laughs> or like if I'm doing like a, a convention signing and someone gives me thank you yeah, uh, someone gives me like a rookie of the year thing, I'll be like, do you have a favorite quote? When they don't pick one, that's my go to. Nice. Throw on the high stinky cheddar. I think I that's also funny. Uh, that's also a true way to be like uh, if they don't have a quote, I'd be like, oh cool, so you're not a real fan. <laughs> oh, so it's not in your top five favorite movies? Because I did a podcast with a guy whose top five includes Rookie of the Year. As well as Turtles 1, which, uh, you know, now that we're here and talking about it, I don't agree with. Uh, that's awesome. That is such a, what a cool. Uh, yeah, well, yeah dude, thank cool you so card. much. No, dude, don't worry. So you can uh, show that to your kid and be like, yeah, daddy was a baseball player. <laughs> He won the only Cubs World Series <laughs> ever. Uh, before we wrap up, we have to uh, discuss a little bit of your early acting days because there's one in particular job that uh, struck a chord with both Brad and I. Mm-hmm. You played young Tony, Tony Danza. Danza. I knew it was coming. <laughs> How did you know? Did he tell you? No, no, because uh, it out of all the early stuff prior mm-hmm. to Rookie of the Year, yeah. you know, it, Radio Flyer is not really much to talk about because most of my stuff ended up on the cutting room floor right. in good company yeah. no less next to mm-hmm. Rhea Perlman there you go Oof. Um, wait you were in Radio Flyer you were one, one of the f- bully kids that's right 
Yeah, and we, and Rhea Perlman was the frog lady, so all of our sequence. We shot the scene that got cut out of the film three times in three shit. different cities. We even rebuilt the, the whole stage no or the whole scene on a stage. Uh-huh. So we shot it like, yeah, anyway. I thought you were going to say we even rebuilt Rhea Perlman three times. <laughs> She's not real. Another Hollywood secret. Uh, no, but so I'm looking at the, you know, the history there, and I'm oh. going, you know, you're not going to ask me about the fear inside with Christine Lottie and Dylan McDermott. I mean, my oh. third favorite movie of all time. Next sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did get to make out with a 22-year-old while I was, you know, 11. But, what? you know, my first on-screen kiss. Is, Good would that, Lord. Would that be illegal now? Probably. <laughs> I, I remember, actually, the director was like, um, so... <laughs> You're kind of going in for the kiss now on the third take. She's mm-hmm. supposed to like lip lock me, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. I'm supposed to try to fight away. And... You look like you won it, man. Yeah, because <laughs> I think by like the th- by the second take, I had like some banaka, and I was like, <laughs> I'm ready for my next take. Because <laughs> you're cool. 11, dude. That's yeah. a cool ass 11 yeah. year old move, by the way. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Who's the boss? Tony Danza. I mean, well, hundredth episode of Who's the Boss? What? Oh, when they win the syndication, then that's a that's like a landmark landmark episode. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of questions because um, I became and it's well known on this podcast. I'm a big Danza fan. Got him on the podcast after three years and interviewed him as Tony Danza for ten minutes. <laughs> I will send you the link. Uh, but I'm di- should I be disappointed that you didn't interview me as Henry Rowan Gardner for ten minutes? I mean, like, there's still time. I mean, I don't know if I can do a Gary Busey impression and talk as the Rocket. Well, not with that attitude. No. <laughs> uh, but so, how do you did? I mean, I just want. Could you talk? I was just talk about that experience <laughs> meeting Danza because I know what it was like for me when I met him as a grown adult. So, but T- also Tony, thank Danza, you, Siri. An adult. (laughs) Tony Danza makes him so happy. Well, because I I obviously knew who's the boss in Taxi, but when he had his talk show, his morning talk show, the the Tony Danza show, it would air at 2 a.m. my senior year of college, and my uh, pothead roommates and I would watch Nick Arcade from 1 to 1.30, and then Nickelodeon's Guts from (laughs) 1.30 to 2, and then the Tony Danza show from 2 to 3. And it was amazing because Tony was amazing because he was likable and a terrible host. And he would come on and be like, hey, we got a great show for you uh, today. Uh, Kelsey Graham was on the show. He's, uh, he's great. I, I, I loved Kelsey when he was on Frasier because he was like, he, he was on Frasier, but he was also on Cheers. And he just does a lot. He just does a lot. Of, he's, just a great, he's just a great guy. Anyway, he'll be here. It was just like there was, it was all over the place. <laughs> what, how was he on Who's the Boss? And how did you get that job? Um, I uh, I auditioned for that job. Yeah. I, I think I probably booked it uh, because I looked the most like a young Tony Danza. Yeah, sure. Uh, in the hundredth episode, which you've seen it. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, you know, and obviously you know he plays his own grandfather. Yeah, three hours of latex makeup that he went through to wow. to get into that. Well, I'll role. never forget it. So much latex. I was like, you know, I haven't seen this much latex since I was in a bukkake video in my <laughs> in my twenties. So. Uh, I also had dance experience, and we in Perfect. the in the, yep. the the episode we had to do uh, a tap dancing routine, um, which was really I don't know. Tony was great to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a great guy to me. Yeah, the guy has a temper. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I remember like during the rehearsals, which I wasn't. You know, I, I would come in and do my scene, but I remember yeah. he had his assistant reading his voiceover lines off camera or off set, and his assistant missed a cue. And Tony got so mad. They had this um, like a like a, a mock sort of living room, and it was like two couches, and then like they had a cardboard box for the TV. Tony kicked that cardboard box 
25 feet across the stage. I'll always remember this moment because say, I'm like I'm six boss. years old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just always want to hope when he when he threw a temper that he said, "I'm the boss." After he after he did something destructive, <laughs> like I said, he was always really nice to yeah. me. He got yeah. he bought me a remote control car, Dude, as, that's a, as way, a present. That's way cool. It was a mini Porsche 911, exactly like the car that he drove. I mean, that's just, I don't know what that means, but that's I awesome. I don't know but it was how awesome. that makes so much sense for Tony Danza to do. Like, like why does that seem like, like yeah, Wait, of course I get it. And you. in the Corvette was a Tony Danza doll. <laughs> no. So no. you can always pretend to be me. <laughs> so yeah, he kicks this thing across. Yeah. Like, kicks the thing across yeah. the room. I just remember like standing there and what, I, what was the actor's name who played Danny, the angel, you know, the, the son? Like not, oh, oh John, the kid who played Jonathan. Yeah, the kid who played John. Oh, it was, his uh, name was Danny. Yeah, yeah Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jonathan. So yeah. I'm standing there with him, and I like I look over at him. You know, he's obviously we're not clo- we're close in age, yeah. but he's a few years older than yeah. me. I look at him, and he just kind of shrugs, like, "Yeah, that's what happens." <laughs> that's <laughs> what, it was totally normal. That's what happens when you. Piss the other off thing I remember are. really about being on the show was every day bringing a gift to Alyssa Milano. Good for you. I was dude. six years old. She's 13. And every day I brought her a present. Wow. Damn, you are a smooth well motherfucker. It didn't work. But <laughs> so not know, that smooth. Yeah, the restraining order's up in six months. But, <laughs> but. Should you imagine a 20-year restraining order? <laughs> for a gift. Uh, this, is, this is nearly From 30 years ago. It's, it, well, it's like an annual tradition to her. She just goes to the police officer. Dude, that is a, that is a strong it. indication of how hot she is. Is was, but at third, I mean, yeah, yeah. six year old too. That's you know hormones through the roof. Now, did they give you any sort of Danza prep? Like, can you talk a little bit? Like, as a kid, like, did they give you any? No, no, there was no sort of yeah. Uh, just be you a know, young Danza. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, at six, it's like, can you remember the lines? Yeah. Can you say them on cue? Yeah, great, you're yeah. hired. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, can you kick a cardboard box <laughs> like he does? <laughs> that would be the best audition ever. It's going to be like, Can you emulate his yeah. temper tantrums? We know you can do the lines, but do you have a temper? <laughs> no? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> like, like, not sure if you're right for this yeah. role. <laughs> um, Thomas, we... This has been unbelievable. We cannot thank you enough for being Dude, here. Dude, thank you so much for having me yeah. on the show. I, is, I hope you had fun. We had, Are you kidding? I, got, I wanted to go to this yeah. art showing and get this baseball card, and now I don't have to go. That's so great. That is, that, is, that is really incredible. Now, will you like frame that or put, where will Hell you? Hell yeah, that? dude! Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. kidding? I mean, you know, considering the whole series and everything, and I mean, I, I don't have a lot of pictures up of myself in my mm-hmm. house. Do you have rookie of the year memorabilia? Like, but I feel could... like this could go up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it this could because well, because it's it's not like just a picture of me. It's someone yeah. sort of like rendition. Yeah. There's a whole story behind it, and I could talk about how Brad gave this to me yes. on the podcast. Yep. Yes. You know, you can do that. And how we partied together at that weird-ass <laughs> birthday party. Shout out to China and your BMFs. <laughs> um, well, the album, the album is called Security. Yep. Uh, really pumped to listen to it. It's on mm-hmm. iTunes, Spotify. Uh, is there like a website for your tour dates? Uh, yeah, everything goes on you know, tinband.com or thomasnicholasband.com. Cool. So mm-hmm. all the tour dates are up there. Obviously, we're going to be doing a new album this year. Yeah. The Frat Party yeah. album. Yes. Um, with uh, all your favorite songs. <laughs> I'm going to record it actually at Dave Grohl's studio, Studio 606. No way. Because well, there's times like these is an American yes. wedding. So we're going to cover that one. So I was like, well, no one else from the soundtracks has their own studio. We should go record this at Dave Grohl's studio. 
will will he be there or have you hung out with Dave before? I have not hung out with Dave. Oh, it's man. been it's been one of those things where I've been trying to meet the guy for like so many years. Yeah, that happened. You know, I I mentioned all my favorites. You know, like Dave Grohl and like there's another band Switchfoot. I mentioned him a lot in interviews and things, and I haven't really. I mean, I met those guys yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. But you're I just hoping Dave. like Dave reads but the I, magazine well, and see, goes, things like, and I loved Rookie of the Year. <laughs> like, and then he shows up. <laughs> Not in the I top mean, five, but I loved it. <laughs> it was, it's one of those things where like there's been moments where I could like go and meet him, but yeah. I, I don't know. I want it to be organic because I'm hoping that like we get to like hang. I don't know. You, when you have like someone that you really emulate, you want to like hang out and hit it off. Yeah. You don't want to just be like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan. It's so nice to meet you. And then. You just feel like a jackass for the next 20 years, and you never see them again. Yeah. And you feel like when you see them, they're going to look at you and be like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah. And that's exactly what Alyssa Milano did to you. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. That's awesome. Uh, I need to know. That's real- why she, is that why she blocked me on Twitter? Because <laughs> I tried to like send her a tweet, and it just was like, no, you cannot. This cannot go through. <laughs> I know. I, I need to know real quick though from the American uh, Pie just franchise experience because I feel like it got Beatles esque at one point. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, just like as far as like how popular the whole thing was and how like doing press or going places like was there any uh, experience with fans or just uh, at a premiere or anywhere that was like I don't know. There was some pretty aw- not not necessarily so much with the reaction of of fans because I've always been you know. In the spotlight. Uh, a, a pretty much a down-to-earth type of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, after American Pie came out, I was driving my... I bought a bug from my nineteen or from my brother. It's a 1972 Volkswagen bug with it, badly in need of a paint job. Yeah. I remember sitting at a stoplight mm-hmm. and the car next to me looking over and going, like, like giving that, like, oh, my yeah. God face. Because yeah. they saw me and the film's in the theater and it's, you know, getting close Huge. to 100 million. Right. And then they look... They, they look back again, they take a double take, and they see the 1972 bug, and they're like, nah, and they shake their head. Light turns green, and they take off. So, you know, I've, I've often been like the type of person who can sort of like go to the grocery store. Awesome. You know, no one kind of looks twice. Yeah. But yet I can still have a, a career that I'm very thankful for and yeah. be a part of like, you know, films that are in your fucking top five. Yeah, you know? dude. There it is. Um, 100 million. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Going from, isn't that crazy? Like, you looked at the first page and were like, no thanks. And then, like, what, I mean. Well, now it's like a billion dollar franchise. Yeah, I mean, each one of them did 100 million in the theaters, 100 million on DVD, 100 million overseas, 100, you know what I mean? Just. And the numbers going, and they on were and all, on. yeah. I mean, and that should tell people, uh, you never know what finger banging can lead to. For sure, even if the scene gets edited out of the film. <laughs> Was there ever a point when you're reading too, like, in the. <laughs> Finger banging can start anything. When like, because obviously they had to like top each film, right? With like certain sexual acts, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Was it? Wasn't it you and Sean William Scott with the the girls, the painters? No, that was no. Oh, I was that, that was Jason. It was you Jason were... and 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 uh, and Eddie, okay. and we were yeah. looking in. Chris and I were looking in. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were we were like the whole thing, like where we were fighting over who could see the girls kiss, <laughs> and then uh, and then the he looks in and he's like. You can look, you know, because it's the dudes like doing shit to right. each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, for for me, there was a, a bunch of amazing stuff that we got to do while mm-hmm. promoting the films. Like, like uh, the first one they sent us to the Bahamas to do MTV Island. There you um, go. That's a thing. So that was cool. They should do that. Um, again. Yeah, and then there was another. Well, on the second film. Uh, I think, yeah, the producers were like, oh, cool, we saved a little money on the side, and after the rap party, let's take this private jet to Vegas. 
and go party in Vegas. Yes. Mm. Uh, And then during American Reunion, they took all of us around Mm -hmm. Europe. So we flew to London, and then from London, we took a private plane to Amsterdam, and then a private plane to to Zurich. I mean, it was just like flying private around Europe with the whole like cast just partying our ass. And you're a dad at this point, yeah? Uh, had you had your son yet? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. My okay. son was. Uh, my wife was pregnant while we were shooting American Reunion. So were you still able to? I mean, obviously, that seems like something you still want to enjoy, and you seem like a fun dude. Like, still enjoy the. I mean, going to Amsterdam. Like, you're like yeah. yeah, I'm probably gonna hit up no. a coffee shop and. Oh, dude! I mean, yeah. we went to the red light district. My, uh, I, my publicist came with me, and she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna take a picture." Like, and she like nope. pulled up her phone, yeah. and the chick from behind the window came around and just yelled, "You bitch!" and like had a. <laughs> pitcher of water <laughs> or maybe it was piss i don't know and she she chucked it and the, the the best part is we're we see her coming so we like back up and there's probably like about 20 or 30 people just walking on the pathway in front of us so they get drenched we don't get anything on us and we're just laughing and running away <gasps> that's unbelievable that's awesome. That was my red light district experience <laughs> the red light district is one of those places that if you haven't been to it you got to go at least see it my only time going, I got so baked, and then we wanted to because we, we forgot about it. We were like, we have to go see it before we leave. But we also were like, we need to get McFlurries because we're fucked up. <laughs> so we got McFlurries, and I'm standing. <laughs> to be in, fair, Adam has that thought about three times a day. I'm standing <laughs> at the looking in the red light district, and there's a woman in the in the door. And if you haven't seen it, they start to dance at you and try to like you know be provocative with their moves and and entice you. I'm holding the McFlurry. I know what my night looks like. It's McFlurry. She, it's not including sex, and it's also not including giving up this McFlurry for anything. So, so how much did your dick shrivel up when you stuck it in the McFlurry? <laughs> Thomas, that's a great question, and, uh, and I will email you the exact response because I don't feel comfortable sharing that. Uh, no, so, Sorry, but you, you just you left unless, it wide yeah, open. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was surprised, Brad, you didn't go yeah, for the yeah, kill. Yeah, Come on, what? fucking McFlurry. <laughs> Uh, that was actually the original thing that uh, Jason Biggs was supposed to fuck. So, so I'm like eating my McFlurry, and she starts dancing, and then uh, I start like she's dancing. So I felt weird standing there. So then like she would like start to do sexy moves and like touch herself. So then I started to take bites of my McFlurry and sexily like chew it and like dance back at her. So at one point I'm eating this McFlurry, like taunting her with the McFlurry at the way she's taunting me with her body. And then when I realized what was actually happening, I just started laughing, and, uh, and then we walked away. <laughs> But it was like, but that whole place is such a. Tr- it doesn't seem like real life. No, um, not at all. That's amazing that they took the whole crew on that press tour, dude. It was, uh, you know, once in a lifetime experience because the movie has yeah. to be that big for that to happen, right? For sure. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they 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 sent different people to different places, but not any time. That was the first time for American Reunion where they actually had everyone together. That's yeah. so cool. And then did you at the end of it uh, hold up your glasses and say to the next step at some point? Because <laughs> I do that about six times a year drunk at some sort of social function. That is not an exaggeration. Yeah. I have Fair seen, enough. I, I, I have uh, seen you do that. The only time I, I really kind of, you know, abide by letting myself do that is during the frat party tour. I open up the show awesome. typically with, uh, we've got, actually my band has Red Cups. I should if I would have known. I, I, I guess I should have brought. We're you guys coming some to a show. Cups. Okay, so, yeah. 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 I'll even... give you some red cups there. We got yeah. with the band logo on them, like oh. reusable red cups. Dude, that's mm. awesome. So that's how I start the frat party, and people go show. nuts. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that was like yeah, yeah. I was telling Brad too because that's such a 
have been times when I would make that cheers when it was, you know, cause sometimes a social for some sort of significant moment, there's pressure on the cheers and you end up rattling and people get so uncomfortable. You either own the moment or you don't. And so I would start to say something and then I'd just go to the next step and then it would get a laugh. And then there'd be a moment where everyone would be like, but that also, that's also true. Like, <laughs> it's also a great cheers. So that's funny, but also super real and great cheers, man, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. th- so thank you for providing us with so many uh, memories from our childhood and uh, for providing us future memories. Uh, so to the next step. Yeah, dude. And you guys <laughs> both got to come to uh, the next step, which is this Friday, uh, The Lost Tree yeah, world premiere, a film that I produced and acted in. You guys are, are, are I'm for sure a yeah. thousand percent going. Yeah. Cool. With, uh, Hell with, yeah, uh, with uh, Lacey Chabert and Michael Madsen. And when does that come out? Uh, well, this is a, a film festival. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's still the film's still on the market. So it's an independent film. Good for you. So though. we don't know, you know, what the release layout will, will be and who's going to buy it. There's going to be some distributors there, but also we're having a world premiere and there's a party after. So you Done. know, hopefully uh, somebody buys it. If they don't, I'll still have a drink. <laughs> Done. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, yeah, man. Show. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone you know. But what should I tell them? Well, you can just tell them that. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice.